Blog Talk Radio. Hello, my name is Dan Hennon. Uh, guest host here for the time for today's broadcast. Uh, here's Saturday afternoon, April twentieth. Got a lot going on here in the news, mainly with the Mueller report. The Mueller report is out there. It's uh, it's available in its redacted format. And, of course, uh, everyone's uh, blowing a gasket with that from the Democrat uh, um, uh, liberal side of things. And so what we'll do with this, start over that, I, I believe, first, because that's the biggest, that's the biggest news. And, and because I am new, uh, because I am new here to the, uh, to the show, to the broadcast, I'll give a little bit of background on myself uh, here as well. The thing that I think stands out on on my type of shows is that I don't put anything from a Democrat or liberal uh, Republican standpoint, or even a conservative liberal standpoint. I'm a non-political guy myself, and give commentary and analysis on things that are going on regarding current events. That have been, that that spin, I believe, is what has gotten us into all of this trouble over the past decades. And so when you look at something like this, what President Trump has gone through um, uh, with this two and a half years of the Mueller report, this Russia collusion, this Russian hoax, this Russian election meddling, um, all of this, when it comes from what I call it a, a hoax or made up scenario, it's not saying that I am a Trump fan. I'm not, it's not saying that I'm a Trump supporter. Um, uh, but it is helpful to analyze uh, what's going on behind the scenes here because many people do not like Trump and are doing anything they can to take him down. And so what we get here with this Russian hoax, Russian collusion, is the whole Democratic Party election um, to try to get Hillary elected to be the president. The other thing that I think is interesting, uh, because Donald Trump does not come from a political background at all, um, people don't know how to handle him. Um, people in politics, people who give political commentary don't know how to handle him. Uh, people in Washington, D.C. that do this for a living don't know how to handle him. The uh, Republican campaign and the Democratic campaign and those respective parties don't know how to handle him. And so it's a very interesting combination of events, uh, and as well as the media does not know how to handle him. He's a businessman who does no politics whatsoever and has no political background at all. And so it gets to be very interesting. And so when he's running for president, I believe the Hillary campaign uh, was uh, a liberal um, arm of the Democratic Party, the political propaganda arm of the Democratic Party is the mainstream media. None of them were a fan or are a fan, and they all assumed that Hillary would win the 2016 election. Well, she didn't. Donald Trump won, <clears throat> so they had to put a spin in place already. Now, they had various things in place to ensure that she would win and ensure that he would lose, but they also had this um, insurance policy and what 
the uh, what has come out to be called Crossfire Hurricane. It's an operation in the intelligence circles as Crossfire Hurricane. How to set up Trump to be discredited in some way, shape, or form in the unlikely event he did win the election. And so they put this information together to try to say that um, he was connected to or was colluding with um, Russian agents, Russian intelligence, Russian government, um, all which is not true. And so that's where, that's how all this co comes into place. Now, in order to get these this illegal surveillance or illegal spying on the presidential candidate Trump at the time, they needed to apply a with the FISA courts a FISA warrant that had to be issued and then taken to a judge in the FISA court to be thus approved. Now, this is very rare. I don't think it's ever happened before. Um, and if we have uh, a callers or anyone in the chat room to discuss this, uh, I would be interested because I don't believe this has ever taken place ever in the history to get a surveillance on a, on a presidential candidate um, at all. So very interesting. But if you see how this is laid out and how this took place, it very much makes sense. These warrants to allow spying or surveillance um, are, are good for a period of 90 days. That's a 30-day window to be able to surveil and or spy on something or someone that's doing something criminal or illegal. And so in order to have that, you're going to need, um, and it's called Intelligent, uh, actionable intelligence is the phrase. Um, in normal civilian law enforcement, it's uh, it's the next step of probable cause. If the crime is done, you have probable cause. Um, if you've got evidence to support the probable cause to get, for instance, a search warrant signed off by a judge, you'll have evidence to support that something criminal is in nature so you can get a search warrant to do this. In this particular type of thing with the FISA court warrants, you need actionable intelligence that something is going on farther worse than just someone assuming or conjecture that something is, um, someone is suspicious of doing something criminal or illegal in nature. So they had to come up with something uh, illegal, and that's where this Christopher Steele dossier comes into place, to present that to the judge, to present that to a FISA court judge. Number one, just to get the FISA court, uh, you know, just to issue this warrant to be able to spy and surveil for a 90-day window. Once that's um, done and filled out and forwarded then to a FISA court judge, this is a federal judge, the judge has to a, approve it, basically sign off, make sure the, um, all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, um, everything looks good, the evidence there is strong enough, and they will then approve the warrant. And that gives them a 90-day window then to, to begin the surveilling, um, essentially spying or surveilling what you want to call it. Do that without the person knowing it, which they did there in the uh, for, uh, for Donald Trump. Gave them a 90-day window. At that 90-day window, once it's up, it ends, or in other words, it expires. Once it expires, you either have the evidence you need to uh, bring an indictment or charges, or you have to go through the process of getting it renewed. And what we had here is this process getting renewed. 
Now, it's not something that you can take back to the same FISA court judge and to be rubber stamped approved and to get it you know, signed off on, uh, initialed and, uh, and dated, and it's all good to go. This is an entirely new warrant that needs to be issued. It needs to be filled out. There needs to be new actionable evidence over and above what was filled out and used on the initial warrant. So there's got to be something um, substantial enough um, over and above that, that what you had for the 90-day window to bring um, indictments or charges against this person. Something substantial enough that had to happen in addition to that to get the thing renewed. And once that uh, paperwork is filed off, the FISA warrant is issued, and then take it to a FISA court judge, federal judge, to be approved. That will give you an extended 90-day window to come up with additional surveilling, to do additional spying. And so this is what happened in the Donald Trump campaign. Um, whether you like Donald Trump or not, whether you are, are a Republican or not, this is uh, highly suspicious of, of this type of thing going on. And so what we've come to learn now, for those who have followed QAnon and following, following the Q drops on this entire thing, Q has, uh, has laid out the various FISA warrant abuse um, and the lies that are going on here that once this is done, we'll bring these people down. So we've got the original warrant and we've got the FISA warrant uh, approved by uh, four additional times, total of five. So a total of five periods, that's 90 day window, times five, that's 450 consecutive days. It was legally surveilling. Uh, they were able to legally surveil and spy on the president for a 450-day window. Now, what's also come to our knowledge uh, here in the last week was that there were three of these FISA warrants that were denied. Three were denied, which means a total of eight were filled out and submitted. Um, and so the question comes into, and I've discussed this with, um, with other folks um, as well, you know, uh, if if these were approved based on lies, here's our question. Here is our question. Were they filled out and done in good faith and the corrupt FISA court judges were approving these and they were in on it? Now, that's one scenario. I don't know if that's likely the case or not. All they're doing is approving the FISA warrant. Uh, Basically, the, the homework is filled out, and basically the, the, the teacher is just getting this um, set on the desk, um, reading through it, making sure everything's there, and approving it, um, much as a teacher does a student's homework. They're not digging into making sure the actionable evidence is indeed actionable, actionable evidence. They're signing off on it and basically approving it. And once that's done, their name is on it, responsible for that uh, uh, 30 three-month window, that 90-day period, and we had multiple judges signing off and approving these as FISA court judges. I don't believe they were in on it. They could have been. I don't believe they, they uh, were in on it. They're just simply approving this. The question comes into who's filling out the warrant and who is putting together the evidence of the warrant uh, for, for that paperwork. 
And so we know three were denied, which means to me, this is just an opinion, that actionable evidence wasn't good enough, the paperwork wasn't filled out um, correctly, or there was, it wasn't enough to actually issue this, uh, to approve the surveilling um, on this. So three of them were not. The other five, or the, or the original one, I should say, and the four subsequent renewals all had everything it needed to be followed up on. And so how does this get pulled off illegally? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the word illegally because we know there was no collusion and there was no one tampering with the um, evidence and no one tampering with the elections, I should say. And so we get these <clears throat> cast of characters coming in here and, and, the, and this is where it gets confusing, I believe, for the public. it up here on my um, on my laptop it's confusing to the public each of these warrants needs to be done by a separate individual can't be the same person I think um, under suspicion or, or connected to the president warrant spying Carter page was one of them Carter page we find out later QAnon has made the drop that Carter page was a plant was planted into this scenario on purpose to help get evidence to approve a FISA warrant. The next one was Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort, President Trump uh, working on the campaign. Also, a plant. QAnon, remember, writes, plants need water when Paul Manafort's name came up. Uh, so, President Trump hired Manafort to work on his campaign and didn't know it, but he was a plant. In other words, infiltrated the campaign. Carter Page infiltrated. Now we get George Papadopoulos, who was the other one. Not a plant. A good guy or a white hat, but was threatened and was misled on some of the things that he did, and his statements were taken out of context that made him look like the bad guy. And then we get General Mike Flynn. General Mike Flynn was threatened. Well, potentially, I'm gonna say potentially, because we do not know that, but um, he was threatened, um, his family was, and they went after him and got him um, actually to lie to the FBI. I don't know why, but later that's come out on his indictment that what he said couldn't possibly have been true. So why did he lie? Um, so I think there was some sort of threats going on behind the scenes with General Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn's a good guy, a white hat, and a patriot. George Papadopoulos is good. But when these guys start getting in there and twisting arms, they can get these things to come out. Last one was Loretta Lynch, um, also a black hat, uh, bad guy, bad woman. And so she was tied into this um, uh, dealing with getting this Russian attorney from the Ukraine who was working on a separate case altogether uh, arrived to get a visa entry into the U.S. to work on the case. And while she was there, she had a meeting with Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr. And these guys all had a meeting. This is what makes the news is that they were able to get a FISA warrant because Donald Trump and his people were, quote, meeting with the Russians, colluding with the Russians. And so 
this is how <clears throat> these five, these, this one was signed off and approved and four subsequent um, were done. And now I got to remember also that Peter Strzok was involved in one of these as well. He's the top, uh, I think he was the top uh, lead uh, counterintelligence uh, in the FBI. And so they get these bad guys in the mix, um, Lisa Page in the mix and others playing roles, um, actors in this entire charade. Um, there was no meetings with the Trump's team. Now back to this Jared Kushner meeting in June 10th with Donald Trump Jr. in Trump Tower. We see that the woman's name, uh, Natalia Vessel, Veselnitskaya, she's from the Ukraine. She's a Russian attorney. Um, she's either bad or good or neutral, may not even know what's going on. Many say that she was in on this on purpose, but I do believe that she was working on some other case. Now, all the times that she had to appear in court, the case was taking place in the United States. Um, she did not have to appear, not have to appear. She, she, uh, the other attorneys did the work here in the U.S. She was able to do a conference call and remote in on the work that she had to do. She was able to essentially work remotely on this case in the U.S. Uh, from her home in, in Russia um, to do this. Uh, but when June came around for this meeting in 2016, this is why she got this. Loretta Lynch, with a time, was Obama's attorney general, approved the travel, got her in on a visa to be able to attend one of the court sessions for this case. Um, if you remember this, it was in the news, kind of confusing, but this Dennis Katsiv, Katsiv using a, a company called Pre, Prevazon Holdings, was the case that she was working on as an attorney. And Loretta Lynch approved her visa to come in to do some testimony on that case in the U.S., which is strangely enough. Now, later, uh, to this day, Loretta Lynch denies that she's the one who approved bringing her in. But allegedly, people also saw this Natalia Veselnitskaya in the halls of Congress as well. In fact, Trump mentioned it on one of his tweets. So she was here doing something. Uh, she was trying to get some case overturned um, from a, uh, I'm not sure what it was called, but the Remember back on the Sergei Manitsky trial, um, uh, he ended up dying in the year 2009. They came up with a, a, uh, some legal, some legislation in Congress about the, that ruling. And um, she was not a fan. She was trying to get it overturned. So she was in town working on a case for the captive trial. And someone mentions to her that, hey, Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr., would like to meet with you in helping you potentially overturn this Magnitsky rule in Congress. Well, she says, sounds good. Presidential candidate's son and another high, uh, high player want to meet with me about some legislation. Sounds good. I'll meet with them. So she's under the premises. They're meeting about some legislation. Uh, Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. are told from their handler, hey, we've got some gal from uh, Russia who wants to provide you with the goods on Hillary Clinton. Would you like to hear it? They said, okay, interesting. Sounds good. Let's hear it. We'll meet. Well, they find out later they meet. This uh, fellow is not going to read English at 
all. She didn't know what they were talking about as far as the goods and Hillary. And they didn't know what she was talking about when she said her interest was the case of overturning that, uh, the Magnitsky rule. It's called, here it is in my notes here. It's called the Magnitsky Act of 2012. Uh, she wanted to meet them because she was uh, under the impression they wanted to help her discuss repealing that act. And so uh, Donald Trump Jr. does have correspondence with her going through that meeting. But all the while, both groups were set up just so they're able to say that Donald Trump was meeting with the Russians. So they were being able to um, surveil and all this. Now, this is not true. This is not uh, true in any way, shape, or form. So some of the names here um, that are included with this was, uh, let's see the name, Browder. Let's see, Rob Goldstone. Uh, Rob Goldstone was a British music publicist. He brokered the meeting at the Trump Tower between these two parties. And so Goldstone's behind it, setting these guys up. And also this uh, Browder. Browder worked in the past uh, with the Kerry campaign, working closely with John Brennan, uh, Sid Blumenthal, and Cody Shearer. Remember the meeting at Trump Tower with the Russians was really just this Veselnitskaya gal. But after that took place, the DNC announced that they were hacked on June 14, 2016. Remember this meeting took place on 6-9, June 9th. Five days later, DNC announced that they were hacked, and the DNC was hacked, and someone got into their uh, paperwork. Not true. Nothing was hacked. Nobody was hacked. But the DNC, this is they wanted to uh, head off the leaks. The leaks. So this was Seth Rich, a staff with the DNC. He's the one who leaked the DNC cables the emails, the memos, the server information from the DNC, and handed it off to WikiLeaks. And by doing that, um, Julian Assange was part of this. So they know they had it. He does the leak. He gives it to WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks gets it. Seth Rich is killed. They blame it on a botched robbery. That's not the case. He was killed by, I believe, two um, members from MS-13, two assassins, um, killed him, made it look like a robbery attempt. All his money and his wallet was in his, on his clothing and on his person. So it certainly was not a robbery. He was killed. And Q gave us the information that the very next day, those who killed Seth Rich were in turn assassinated and executed themselves. So now I've got no one being able to, uh, loose lips sink ships, no one being able to spread and get this information out because <clears throat> the people that killed Seth Rich are now killed themselves. This is how deep this goes. And so Seth Rich um, released the info to WikiLeaks from the DNC. There was never a hack. Remember the key word, he released the information, willingly released it. He didn't leak it. No one hacked it. Um, and this, and, and also another thing I've got in my notes here before we get on with the rest of the FISA is, this is different than the Podesta hacking. The Podesta emails, remember that also came out as part of WikiLeaks. John Podesta's laptop was compromised 
access a phishing scheme that asked for his password, and um, he wrote that his password was, was the word password. He filled that out. He was using the word password as his password, and his computer was compromised, um, all due to a phishing scheme, phishing as in P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, phishing scheme. He clicked on something that exposed his password was password, and his stuff got out. So um, this is different. The Podesta emails are different than the DNC leaks. And so just to correct that, it was leaked um, by Seth Rich in the form of a USB jump drive that he had and got the information. It was not hacked, but yes, he did indeed leak it. So that's how we get this whole ball rolling, which is a lie to begin with. And so the question is on these warrants, on the, on the initial warrant, and on the subsequent approvals of the warrant, were these things lies? Um, yes, uh, Natalia Veselnitskaya was not there to impact the election, was not there to collude with Trump and the Trump team, and was not there um, to hack into anything. And so that's based on a lie. Um, Carter Page it was set up as a plant. They got the goods on him. Paul Manafort was a plant since day one. Uh, Papadopoulos, they got the goods on him. Um, if you follow Papadopoulos' tweets now in a current setting, he's got some very good, uh, good information. His stuff relates back to what they did to him to twist his words back to Mr. Uh, was it Mifsud? Mifsud. And then Mike Flynn, same thing. He's pretty active uh, on Twitter as well. So these things were then approved based on a lie, and then each subsequent item was based on a lie. Now, the people signing off on these things, Rosemary Collier was one of the judges who signed off. James Comey um, signed off. Uh, she was one of those who, judges who approved it. But we have get Sally Yates well, is connected. James Comey is connected to these FISA warrants, Carter Page, and Rod Rosenstein and Andy McCabe. And so when we deal with the judges here, it's the people who approved the rubber stamp approval, Michael Mossman, Rosemary Collier, she's the chief judge. Um, we also have Acting Attorney General Dana Fuente and Conway Raymond Deary. And I think uh, uh, the other thing I'm not too conf uh, con uh, conf comfortable with, but I think all these FISA court judges roll up under the umbrella of Supreme Court this John Roberts, this John Roberts FISA court judges. And so in order to get these things approved, they're based on lies, issued based on lies, and signed off by a judge who isn't any, any, any wiser. Now, the other person pushing all this was um, John McCain, the late John McCain senator, was actively pushing the dossier from the beginning. The dossier is Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele ties into all this. The Russian, uh, I'm sorry, he's the former, uh, the MI6, and the uh, probably a double agent, former spy, um, connecting to all this to try to and um, to try to uh, down uh, to take take down essentially this was a coup attempt on a presidential candidate uh, Trump at the time. 
We also get Stefan Helper. Stefan Helper is CIA, MI6 connected. Joseph Misfoot, Mifsud, tying into what George, uh, what they did to George Papadopoulos, are tying into all these guys. And then we get Alexander Downer. Um, Alexander Downer is, uh, I think, the uh, Australian Prime Minister. He was pushing the Papadopoulos angle himself directly. Alexander Downer was pushing and helping to push this narrative that the Trump guys were the bad guys. And so this is how all of this ties in together. If you're familiar with the five eyes, the five eyes, the intelligence network, um, really based in the five countries, five eyes intelligence is the five following countries, United States, Canada, UK, New Zealand, and Australia. So now we start seeing some connections here. And I'll go, uh, go so far as to say, and this is purely speculation, when we get the mosque shooting taking place in the country of New Zealand, that rings a bell for me because we haven't heard anything from New Zealand in, in the Five Eyes or the case with Trump and this uh, intelligence gathering. Uh, Trump coup, coup, basically an attempt, attempted coup to take him down. So that seems suspicious to me. So the way it works, Australia basically uh, spies on Canada and its citizens. Canada spies on New Zealand and its citizens. New Zealand spies on the UK and its citizens. The UK spies on the United States and their citizens. And the United States spies on Australia and its citizens. Now, each of these five countries have uh, legislation involved enacted and are ongoing that you are not allowed to spy on your own citizens. So United States spying on Australia is essentially committing no crime. The UK spying on the United States essentially is committing no, no crime. So it's really a loophole. It's a way to get around. It's a way to circumvent any legal issues. So we get Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, McCain, who's very active in this whole uh, dossier, uh, spending a lot of time in the UK. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page spending time in the UK. Dossier, Christopher Steele putting together the dossier, who's from the UK. And then we get the UK, the GCHQ is their uh, intelligence gathering over there in the UK very similar to what we have as the NSA here in the, in the United States. So we get a lot of corruption here going round and round. Whether you're a fan of Trump or not, or whether you're a fan of the CIA or not, it's interesting to see who um, Trump is pulling out and naming and appointing to various roles in his administration. The former CIA station chief in the UK uh, in London was Gina Haspel. Gina Haspel is now the leader director of the CIA, working closely with Trump's team. And if we were to buy or believe, um, which I personally do, you can research this yourself as the listeners, is if you're following QAnon and the quotes and the drops on the 8chan boards from QAnon, Gina Haspel is now a patriot, white hat, 
Not saying that she was all the time, but in the role of what she's doing now, collecting the data, um, I think he picked her because she's got the information from the NSA uh, of all the spying and the surveillance done in the UK as she was the former station chief. And this stuff that was going on with the FISA and the phony dossier was taking place in the UK. So I think she's um, turned and is now a white hat. The only reason I say that she might be a black hat, um, those of you following Gina Haspel's past, does show that she was very integral in setting up some of these torture and detainee facilities in various countries. Um, she approved the torture and she was um, all for that. So my only guess is that she was a black hat at one point and wasn't good. Um, that may or may not be true. It seems to be that she was a black hat and she got turned, but regardless of what she was, um, it's more than likely she's a white hat working to fix things now and to working to get the goods out on these individuals. And I think once folks started finding out the UK was the hub of all this, and that's when we saw shortly thereafter John McCain's strangely timed death, because I think that he knew the jig was up. And whether he died before that or after that, or if he's even dead now to this day, who knows? But the timing of that was very suspicious when all this was coming out. Now, if you go back to Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, and some of this uh, improper potential human trafficking and things going on in the scenes, uh, behind the scenes, the other connection is to put into place that not only are they operating in Haiti, but their main connection and their, a lot of their funding and their contributions are coming in in Australia. Big connection to Australia is the Clinton Foundation. And once again, Australia in the Five Eyes, the mosque shooting, the strange shooting with uh, in the mosque uh, last month comes in New Zealand. The UK is involved with all this dossier stuff. So it's very strange that whenever things come up in the news, um, keep an eye open for that angle. Those five countries, you see the problems with Trudeau in Canada right now. And that's about the only thing I can think of that I see anything in the news with Canada. But these, these guys are all into the um, corruption and are knee deep in the corruption. So they all want Mr. Trump out of power. They do not want him as the president and are out to take him down. So what we get is a bogus dossier. We get a dossier and additional bogus information that's beefed up just enough to cause these FISA warrants to be approved, issued, and signed off on by judges. And for 450 days, Donald Trump's campaign and later subsequently his presidency has been surveilled. So the mainstream media will not tell you that information, but that's what's going on behind, behind the scenes. And so when we talk deep state, when we talk black hats, deep state, QAnon, President Trump, what he's doing, how he's draining the swamp, and how he's cleaning things up, the average typical American citizen will say, uh, and this is my opinion, is that Donald Trump's not doing enough here in America. He's not talking 
He's not doing things here in the homeland. He's spending too much time doing other things. I think that's where the big discrepancy is here. Uh, we haven't had a president go after the deep state, and we're talking the worldwide deep state here. He's going after the Vatican. He's going after the bankers. He's going after the Rothschilds. He's going after human trafficking. He's going after the border. And he's going after the Federal Reserve. Um, and the last time we had a president attempt um, anything near the scope of this was John F. And, you know, that, that was also a, you start going after some of these big dogs, things do not end up well. Uh, JFK found that, found that out um, to the extreme when he was murdered in broad daylight by the deep state. Um, this has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. This has nothing to do with the United States. The deep state here, the corruption, what we're dealing with is on a global, worldwide, uh, worldwide level. And so uh, Trump, I don't believe, has had any time in his first two years of the presidency to even start dealing with some of these things here at home. But with this delay, or I'll call it a two, two and a half year um, hoax, the Russian collusion has been such a time waster, such a distractor to the public um, that he hasn't had time to do this. Now, in the meantime, I also do believe that while it wasn't Trump's intent probably to run for office in, uh, as a re-election or run again for eight total years in two terms. I think now that's a sure possibility because no one in their uh, right mind is, would be voting for any of the Democrats that are up there. And no one on the Republican side. Remember, Trump's taking out people on the Republican side as well. So deep state includes the corruption on all of the sides. And so that's, that's the case on the Russian collusion. There wasn't any. The mainstream media is still going to tell you that. The CNN's still going to tell you that. Um, the Anderson Coopers and everyone else that I'll call part of Operation Mockingbird, active agents of Operation Mockingbird, essentially being paid on the side by CIA handlers to push a certain narrative. And the mainstream media is infiltrated with all sorts of these characters, all sorts of these characters. So everything's got a spin. Mueller's report comes out with nothing on it, with no, um, no collusion, no Russian hacking, and the mainstream media is still pushing the fact that, well, we didn't see all of it. We want to see the unredacted version. We want to see what really went on. We want to see how bad Trump really is and what a bad guy he really is. And all of this could be nothing further from the truth. Trump's doing his own um, deal, and at a much deeper level, as some say, he's playing 3D chess, while the rest uh, of the uh, uh, folks on this political are playing checkers. Uh, he's playing 5D chess. What Trump's doing and what he's saying, and keep in mind the trolling, President Trump, also called the maestro, the maestro is very good at trolling, trolling the media, trolling the DNC, uh, the liberals, and sends these people into hysterics. Now, what we do know, regardless of the uh, FISA warrants, the moving on from the collusion, the William Barr uh, assigning to Attorney General, which is another interesting player, William Barr, many, many years, many decades of being a bad guy in politics, a black hat, 
Um, uh, obviously, it seems now to be that the fact that he turned. They've got him turned and is now acting as a white hat doing good things, working with the president cleaning house. So uh, many people I'm in contact with, my, myself on various um, websites and Facebook pages and on Twitter, um, do not like William Barr at all because of his past. And so all we need to do is remind people can turn, people do turn, and it does appear that someone's twisting these people's arms to turn good it also may be themselves wanting to be out of the shadow of doing the same for years. Um, William Barr was so bad that his name, his covert name in the CIA for some of these black ops that he ran back into uh, Iran-Contra, the Arkansas Little Rock, uh, dealing with Clinton before he became president back in the 80s, um, was Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson. That was his, um, that was his covert name. And he was working directly with Oliver North, um, in with the Clintons, dealing with the corruption. <clears throat> and, is, and is widely talked about in Terry Reid's book, Compromise. Terry Reid is a whistleblower, a good guy, a white hat who's come forward. And so a lot of the dealings that didn't make sense to him uh, when they started getting him into doing some corruption, and he decided to pull out. Uh, he was directing, he was dealing directly with Robert Johnson, who he found out later was um, uh, Mr. William Barr. He was also dealing very closely with this corruption with a man named John Cathy. John Cathy, C-A-T-H-E-Y. John Cathy, after watching the uh, Oliver North testimony, said, hey, that's John Cathy testifying. He didn't know his name was Oliver North. Very interesting. And people coming into, the, into play, um, I do think even with even with uh, people getting uh, nominated and put into play, a good example is the Supreme Court with uh, Mr. Kavanaugh. Whether he's a good guy or bad guy in the background, he's a good guy now. Trump put him into play, but I think mainly to just to just to uh, I, I don't want to say piss off, but uh, really aggravate the liberals and the Democrats. And they put him in. They almost threw a hissy fit when Kavanaugh gets in, and so. Because Trump um, got him in as well, I do believe that he is a white hat. He's there to serve some purpose. I'm not sure um, what it is, but he's he's getting these folks um, lined up. And I think once we get the more information on what's coming out here from Q and what's going on behind the scenes, we'll get some uh, get some more answers on some of those some of those uh, things. Back to Loretta Lynch. Before I forget, she's also tied in with that um, tarmac. Phoenix Airport, in the Phoenix Airport, um, Bill Clinton working with, um, was it Loretta Lynch to uh, help push aside and not to focus and uh, go after criminal indictment against Hillary in exchange for a Supreme Court seat on the bench for Loretta Lynch. If this type of corruption got out into the public hands, into the public domain, that they're vying to try to secure themselves spots on a Supreme Court as a Supreme Court justice, uh, it would be maddening. So as Q says, wait for the panic to really come. When this comes out, and Q has said along with President uh, Trump that they've got it all. They've got the servers, they've got the footage, they've got the surveillance, and they've got the audio. I believe, 
once again, my opinion is that they've got audio of that uh, conversation taking place, and they're going to be able to use that to put these people away. Um, getting Loretta Lynch a, a seat on the Supreme Court in exchange for not uh, to downplay the, the uh, Hillary uh, server information is, is huge. And so these are some of the deals, the side deals that are going on by the corrupt people. Now, we already know about the Podesta. When that stuff comes out, it'll be very interesting with his emails. That exposed something else altogether, uh, back to uh, Pizzagate and all the other uh, things going on and nefarious activities going back to Epstein Island and that effect. Now, we and it looks like we've got about... Uh, 14 minutes left of this broadcast. We tie that together with human trafficking. We get to see what's really going on. Now, what we hear about in the news is the border. We need to get secure the border. We've got immigration that's illegal. We've got immigration that's legal. We've got migration. We've got caravans. We've got all these people trying to get across the border. Half of that, I think, is distraction. I cannot personally believe there's a caravan coming up from Guatemala for 1,500 miles. I don't buy that. I think pushing that to keep people uh, focused uh, on the wrong things. Um, the whole immigration, legal or not, is a distraction. Separating the kids from their parents at these stations, I think, is a distraction. The Democrats know that the heaviest use of the illegal sex trade with minors, keyword minors is coming through that southern border and so when you see people like chuck schumer nancy pelosi agree in congress and vote to approve a 36 billion dollar deal in israel yet they have to approve funding for a five billion dollar wall in the u.s border we know something else is going on there they don't even want to negotiate. They don't want to negotiate anything. They stuck their heels in and said, no deal. $5 billion. Yes, it's a lot of money, but it's also a drop in the, uh, drop in the bucket compared to the other things that we're spending money on. So Trump's got him, got these guys, I think, backed into a quarter because that's where the, much of the trade's going on for the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, and the children. Underage, now we'll get into pedophilia which the mainstream media is not even going to be able to handle even when they do get the story out. You're getting people going back and forth through the border two ways. One is through the border, sex trafficking. This is Clinton Foundation now. Um, this ties back to potentially Nexium, the cult of Nexium, the people buying and selling the children that's going on uh, in the sex slave human trafficking realm. Uh, this didn't make the news, but remember, December 21st of the year 2017, the important, very important executive order from Donald J. Trump is to seize the assets and to seize the money and the activities and cut the head off the snake of those involved in any way, shape, or form in human trafficking. That didn't make the news. Um, people think of human trafficking as adults, uh, sex trade, stuff uh, Epstein's up to on his private island. The general public thinks that's fine. They're grown, consensual adults having sex. It's uh, probably inappropriate, immoral, 
but big deal to not committing any crimes. It's not that the underage buying and selling of youths. It's the underage trafficking for sex reasons. It's the sex slave business. And so what we've got going on in, in Haiti um, uh, for some of these natural disasters, earthquakes and whatnot, is that they bring in the Red Cross, you bring in all these uh, people to help, these humanitarian efforts to help, and the donations come flooding in. And I believe the group is taking these children and entering them in, and uh, unofficially, they're going into these roles into this human trafficking. Officially, they're being listed as missing people because of these disasters, um, killed or missing. Is in the case of flooding in Katrina, um, typhoon, in, uh, for instance, the tsunamis. You get all these people that are very uh, missing and whatnot unaccounted for. Um, these people, that is all one big cover to be used as a trafficking business. The other form of trafficking is another thing that QAnon has, has uh, alluded to even much more recently is the trafficking of the children through the shipping containers on the ocean um, coming to and from China, to and from China. He mentions Long Beach, Long Beach, the Long Beach and Mexico connection. And you know who's angry at this? Republican, uh, I'm sorry, uh, representative from California, Adam Schiff. This is taking place directly in his area. He does, he's also a very vocal person <clears throat> about any of the border, the wall, and all of this. And so Schiff is a big, big opponent and hates Trump. Now, this is taking place in his backyard. Um, and so when we get shipping containers coming in of children, shipping containers going out of children, which means we've got kids being shipped trafficking through these shipping lanes, through the ocean, we've got people in China that's corrupt um, approving this or looking the other way when these kids are coming in. And we've got people in Long Beach shipping port looking the other way when these kids are either being sent out or coming in or are aware of it. This is how big this is. This is what Trump's talking about when he's talking about borders um, and getting things cleaned up. Now, if the Democrats are all involved in this and making big money on the side of transporting children, this is what happens. Now, Q Anon recently posted a photo yesterday of a beach and the Anons who looked it up said that that was actually Seal Beach in California, right off of, uh, right near the Long Beach shipping port, Long Beach, California. And so once again, we get into this, that's, that's Adam Schiff's area. Um, and so uh, we get into a, a bunch of nasty information here that's going back and forth. And, and it's hard to disseminate, uh, it's hard to differentiate, I should say, when watching the mainstream news, what of it real, what of it not real, what portion of it is partial truth, partial truth. And so that's the hardest thing. So I encourage the listeners out there to uh, do your own research, follow some of these channels, listen to your own YouTube uh, favorite uh, subscription channels. Um, there's a lot of good posts out there. There's a lot of good forums that are out there. And, and so uh, rather than turning on MSNBC, um, 
CNN and getting some uh, information that's basically 100% false. It's, it's not even close. Some even watch Fox News, which is closer to the truth, I think, this is my opinion, closer to the truth and more honest than the other channels. But you have to, you have to remember that of the nighttime or the primetime speakers and the hosts, some of those are good, some of those are not good. Uh, I would recommend um, Hannity, for instance, is good. Tucker Carlson is, is, is good. But that's not saying 100% of what they say is good. That may be 80% or 90% of what they say is honest. But Fox News, for instance, if you turn on Fox News, people will think, oh, you must be a uh, Republican conservative because you just eat up whatever they spoon feed you. That's not the case. Fox News is also not good. Some of their commentators are good. That's all I'm going to say about that. It, it's, it's just hard to watch mainstream news at all, uh, regardless of who the poor because a lot of times it's partial truth. Now, Hannity, Hannity does seem to be working closely with uh, Trump or, or QAnon and, and things like that, but I would also encourage you to go right to the horse's mouth. Twitter, I would recommend following the uh, Representative Doug Collins. Collins is the one who's been um, providing to the public I hesitate on using the word leaking, but he's providing to the public the, the PDF file of the testimony of these uh, congressional hearings uh, relating to the Steele dossier. And so Collins, Doug Collins has leaked, um, and I'm quick to snap him up whenever he pu publishes them out there, and I encourage everyone to do so either as well, because you can read there the Lisa Page testimony. You can read the Peter Strzok testimony. You can read the Bill Priestap testimony. And so going through those pages, and they might be one to two to 300 pages long in PDF format, but you can quickly read through and see the testimony of those hearings of what these people did and why they did it and who was instructing them and how they were looking the other way and how this thing was all played out. And you can tell Trump knew all this from day one. He's playing these guys. He's getting uh, Mueller to back himself into a corner. He's getting Rod Rosenstein to paint himself into a corner. That would be done, I believe, with, with Comey, McCabe, Hillary Clinton, Obama himself. And the interesting, going back to the FISA warrants, was this stuff was done and taking place while Obama was in office. Now, if people knew that he was approving this, behind the scenes and approving does not mean his initials are on it there's no rubber stamp that says Obama approved this but he knew what was going on is what QAnon has suggested he knew what was going on in fact he may have even ordered it and so he's a player off to the side who's putting these things putting these wheels in motion and if the public hears about this uh, that Obama was behind all this um, these guys are going to get um, strung up for treason treason sedition, and hung. Now, Q has talked many times about no deals, no deals. And I think that's what the, the comfort of hearing some of these posts and what Q is, President Trump is doing, um, and Q getting the information out there about there is no deals. People are not going to be plea bargaining down to lesser charges. And so I think that's why this is also 
so long. You look guy, another one. Um, coincidentally uh, enough, uh, he's from Utah, which has the largest NSA database uh, facility in the U.S. is in Utah. So I think that's another reason that he has been selected to do that, and he's taking on him and his staff of 470 prosecutors are looking into these indictments, these, these hidden, these sealed federal indictments. And that also is something else that is not a lie. It's not a conspiracy. You can look them up yourself. Um, it's up over 92,000 right now in the U.S. 92,000 sealed indictments. And these are federal cases. And in a typical year, the average is 1,000 to 1,100. Um, roughly 1,100 over the course of a year is the number of indictments that are sealed at a federal level. And we've got 92,000 concurrent right now. And so we hear a lot of these stories of, of mass arrests and, and things like that. Um, uh, people get the assumption that um, you know, law enforcement's gonna head out and overnight there's gonna be 92,000 people arrested. Those are the 92,000 indictments that are sealed. Um, there may only be um, 85,000 or 80,000 of, 80, of those that relate to the deep state cleaning. Who knows what the rest relate to, but we can safely assume that a good chunk of it is because Huber and his men are working that angle. They're working those people. And in order to put these people away securely or for sure is you have to do it right. Uh, these people that they're going after are going to use any slime ball excuse they can to get out of it with their attorneys. And so they are making sure that these uh, cases and these indictments are their eyes are dotted, their T's are crossed, they've got the evidence and to be put away. And I do not believe in the case of the most extreme cases, uh, Hillary, Obama, uh, Loretta Lynch, um, these people at the very top, McCabe, Comey, um, he's not going after charges to put these people away in prison. He's going after treason. Once again, this is my, my opinion. This is a treason. He's, he wants to go after the treason charge because treason remember, um, can be dealt with publicly with hangings, hangings in public. And so the only thing to clean the deep state, I think, is if he does it the right way, does it by hanging, people see that um, this criminal cabal that's taking place right here under our noses will be taken care of uh, swiftly and smoothly. And hopefully that will wake a lot of people up. Once again, this is Dan Hannon. Today is uh, April 20th, and glad for uh, for those of you listening here on the on our opening show. Look forward to chatting with you all again um, sometime in the future. Thank you.